0: This week on A Lively Experiment, COVID infections continue to spike in Rhode Island. One of the state's premier infectious disease experts weighs in. And President-elect Joe Biden continues to put together his cabinet. Will any of his choices hit close to home? A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by For more than 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program and Rhode Island PBS. Joining us with their analysis, columnist and former attorney general, Arlene Violet, Angel Tavares, the former mayor of Providence, and former chair of the Rhode Island Republican Party, Brandon Bell. Welcome everyone. It is great to have you back after the Thanksgiving holiday. Well, Rhode Island on Monday began a two week pause to try to stem the tide of the increasing COVID cases. Will two weeks turn into a month? We won't know until the data comes in later next week. But to begin our discussion, I had a chance to speak with Dr. Leonard Mermel from Rhode Island Hospital. He has spent his career studying infectious disease and preparing for a pandemic. Here's a little bit of what he had to say in our interview.
1: I think the one thing that's been upsetting is that we don't have a unified national preventative strategy as they do in, in many other civilized and uncivilized parts of the world. We need masking. Uh, we need social distancing. We need you know, hand hygiene. We still have a shortage of respiratory protection, of eye shields, of gowns, of gloves. So here we are in December. We're in the United States of America. And as hospitals, we're trying to fight hard. But we have limitations and resources, and that's frankly shameful.
0: And turning cooler,
1: so it gets colder. The usual uh, winter in New England, this virus survives for a longer period of time in the air with low humidity. So you have the heat on in buildings, and that actually allows the virus to exist, to survive longer in the air. Is the vaccine safe? There's a lot of data now that went to the FDA, as well as an advisory panel, they've said it's safe, the FDA says it's safe. Uh, You've got to, I think, embrace it to reduce risk to yourself, to your family. So I'm hopeful, based on the available data, that it's gonna have a significant impact, but it's gonna take time, it's gonna take time.
0: Of course, the vaccine news has been good over the last couple of weeks. Arlene, let me begin with you. The governor has said we are in the seventh inning of this game, but it seems like the next couple of weeks are going to be a real slog for a lot of people.
2: I think she was very smart, uh, caught having this pause come right after Thanksgiving because we know of the uh, germination that occurs with this COVID virus. You know, Jim, though, one of the things uh, that really strikes me, I mean, obviously, it's heartbreaking when there's a funeral, uh, when elderly people can't get visitors, etc. But I think there's an unfairness here where people dump on the governor. She did not cause uh, this pandemic. We are in the middle of a pandemic. It's up to all of us and our social responsibility to try to follow the regulations so that we inadvertently aren't uh, giving this coronavirus to someone else because we may be asymptomatic, et cetera. So I I, I certainly think she's correct on the way she is seeing what our immediate future is. I think she was smart doing the quote-unquote pause. But I just really hope people will pause uh, the criticism and get with the program so that we can protect one another.
0: Yeah, and Brandon, one of the problems is they've talked about fatigue. I heard on the radio people talking about governor fatigue this week. Look, she has taken on the mantle of taking all of this into her hands. The General Assembly has been on the sidelines. but I, And I agree with Arlene in sentiment, but I think there have been some missteps when it's come to some of the programs she's tried to roll out.
3: I couldn't agree more i mean unfortunately look back in march and april i get i would give her an a um even into may but she didn't delegate i mean i um i don't always agree with lieutenant governor um but lieutenant governor mckee has been uh doesn't even have a jersey on the sidelines as you said in your story recently you know this pause let's call it what it is it's basically a shutdown and doing what she's doing and i totally agree with the general on we all have responsibilities and with, by all means, we should all social distance and wear our masks and do everything that needs to be done, but we've got to help the small businesses. And that has been a massive uh, failure. Uh, And we've seen it um, uh, with, you know, this, this pause, this two week pause with this gym and Lincoln and um, Warren full disclosure, I don't go to the gym as you could tell, but uh, (laughs) I would tell you that, you know, that I I feel for these people. I mean, I'm sympathetic. Um, You know, we need to, we need to help these small businesses, and we had the means to do it. And I think that's where she could be most criticized on this right now. Um, it's uh, I don't understand. Um, you know, we could talk about helping small businesses. Her PR staff. Uh, I don't want to see anyone lose their jobs, but you know, get put them on furlough and give the small businesses some of that money. And there's plenty of money that from the CARES Act as well.
4: Angel, uh, well, let me just say I agree with the general. I think that, look, um, the governor is dealing with a once in a uh, hundred years right once once a century pandemic there wasn't really a big playbook for this um, and i think has done the very best job that she can do uh under the circumstances and the other thing i would say is um and it's not not addressed to uh to brandon because i actually agree on the business piece that i think that we we have to do more to get help to small businesses based on the interactions i have Um, but in terms of her response to the health crisis right i think she's done um, a very good job. I understand that things are tough right now, but a very good job. And I don't hear anyone saying, "Okay, this is what she should be doing." No, this, you know, it's easy to criticize. It's easy to say, you know, um, criticize her for this or that. But I have never heard anyone saying, "But well, instead of a uh, the shutdown that we had in the spring, we should have done this, that, or the other." In fact, I think she's been leading um, throughout this effort to try to keep us safe. And so um, I think the governor has done. As, as good a job as possible under really unprecedented circumstances. And, um, and is learning along the way as we all are. And we do have a responsibility to do our part. Um, and so we, we need to try to, uh, to continue to do that. I think that your story, the interview you had with the doctor when he talked about the national strategy, I think was very important because um, think about where we could be if we had a president who actually um, said from the beginning, wear a mask, social distance. Um, Wash your hands do those things and actually mirrored that um, nationally. Um, And we haven't had in fact they're having I think they're having holiday parties now at the at the White House and doing other things. Um, So I think that this effort nationally has really hurt all the states across the country.
2: Two points. Two points. You know, one, of course, even the scientists have revised what they had to say. Now, of course, the quarantine is seven days. So anybody who's conscientiously following the science would have reiterated exactly what they used to say, which is 14 days, etc. She's not a scientist herself. And I want to go back to the business issue, okay? I mean, clearly she stumbled when it became the issue of tying profit uh, with how much money people are going to get under this new program, I'm a small businesswoman for 40 plus years, uh, and I know uh, the way the tax code is uh, with amortizations of, of equipment and all of that business. I mean, the whole point really is not to show that you have a big profit when you're a small business person, and the and the regulations of the IRS are geared toward toward that. So that's not the, that's not the mechanic. Uh, to use for that. But now she's got it right. The gross receipts uh, is an important uh, criterion. That's what they're using now. So she quickly corrected it. And she's focusing on September 2020. What were your revenues then? That also is an important metric because you had to be around in 2020. There's no point in giving money regrettable as it is to businesses that have already gone out of business and they're just going to pocket the money and not do anything with it so she's requiring that you're in business in 2020 back then if you're a restaurant you had 66 and two-thirds you're not going to get uh, uh, that taken away from you even though you're down now to one-third so I think she's finally got it right but give her a chance to make mistakes but she recouped quickly
3: Uh, 10 months of mistakes though, there's been quite a few.
2: Well, as you know, the science keeps changing and she cannot control my behavior. Brandon, nobody can control your behavior. Angel's a different story, (laughs) he's an angel. But but again, it goes back to our responsibilities. What are we doing for our brothers and sisters in the society it's that we're not harming those businesses. It's our behavior
3: that causes these pauses. I would just say, with, the small, with respect to the small business, and and again, um, what the mayor said, you know, with regard to what was said at the beginning, there's been a lot of changes. You know, Dr. Fauci himself didn't talk about masks at the beginning. Um, so, to the extent that. Um, people have personal responsibility, absolutely. No question, You'll, you won't get any disagreement from me. With regard to all this money that was being held, um, and I understand she's making some corrections now, but it's too late for so many of our small businesses, which, is, which runs our economy here in Rhode Island. And I think at the end of the day, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good, uh, as Voltaire said. Uh, you know, it's, it's, let's make it a good anyway. It doesn't have to be perfect, but get some money out the door to these small businesses. Mm-hmm. Well, she's done
2: hundreds of millions of dollars out the door. And remember now, well, here comes the virus. Apparently, in Rhode Island, after a survey, we don't have the necessary refrigeration for that. No, and th- and that refrigeration uh, costs uh, tens of millions of dollars
4: for so the vaccine.
2: All the money go out the door when you ne- you need now to invest uh, in a structure. Uh, uh, of refrigeration so that we can actually now give out the viruses. So the vaccine, wait, you mean I, it's prudent mm-hmm. to wait,
0: right? You mean the mm-hmm. vaccine, uh, the Arlene? Vaccine, yes. Yeah.
4: Angel, go ahead. Yeah. And no, I was just going to add a couple things. I mean, I, let me just say that at the beginning of this, when this all started um, I used to watch two things on TV. I would watch the governor's press conference and I would watch governor Cuomo in New York. Um, I actually stopped watching the president. Um, you know, I also would watch anything that Do- Dr. Fauci was on. I mean, I, you know, that, that where he was actually speaking, and um, and I would just say, um, my friend Brandon's talked about uh, Fauci and the and the um, and the mask, and certainly he's partly correct there. Um, but early on, the big concern was that uh, we needed to get masks to our healthcare providers and make sure that uh, there wasn't a run on on masks, um, and that was a very big big issue. The, I think it's uh, the N95 which I had never heard of before, but I now know a little bit more about. So um, I think that that people are are learning. And in terms of the business, I have no doubt um, that that will be accelerated. Um, This has moved quickly. um, And as I said, it's unprecedented. And so um, I think that we're doing the very best we can. And I applaud the governor for her efforts. I know it's not easy and it has to weigh on her heavily um, because I know what it was like being mayor and I never had to deal with something like this. Uh, We had so many people Uh, being ill, so many people passing away, Um, and I know she's doing everything that she can, and hopefully we can help uh, get more money out to the small businesses because they're the backbone of our economy.
0: Well, I think one of the problems is, though, to be blunt, a lot of these people have never run a small business. They've been lifelong government people, not the governor necessarily, but they, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Gross receipts, overhead, what it takes to replace what's gone as opposed to, so they're not thinking, and honestly, these people have never lost a paycheck. The entire, since the pandemic, there's a lot of people who haven't had a paycheck for many, many months. So I understand, Arlene, your point about let's give her a break. This is a once-in-a-century thing. But she's also not let the, the General Assembly, it's his own issue. It stayed on the side. Brandon, I did want to ask you, following up to what Dr. Mermel said, what about the fact there has not been a national strategy? And in fact, the administration for months, you still had people in a lot of states, some here, a lot more in the red states that are like you know this mass thing this virus thing you know it's it's really not a big deal so what about that lack of messaging from the trump administration over these months
3: well i mean listen you know at the beginning um I, frankly i turned it off too um i wasn't watching um i thought governor cuomo was quite entertaining uh, but he he made some massive screw-ups along the way as well um, when you say national strategy, you know we know that the population centers, the dense areas like New York City and Philadelphia, and, and you know eastern seaboard, and then Los Angeles on the western seaboard, were way more affected. Now you've got the Dakotas and you've got uh, the Carolinas and and you know Rhode Island um, in really really bad shape. Um, you know back then um, you had Dr. Fauci and others, and I respect Dr. Fauci immensely. Um, I listen. I always want to listen to him. I love that New York accent, but. To the extent that he, um, you know, he was saying that the, the heat issue, everyone thought that this, you know, would be like the flu, like it would it would wear off a little bit as the as the warmer weather came. Um, it's amazing to me that the entire world is working on this, and you know, we've really figured out a lot, but still not enough. Um, so I, I, you know, going back to the Trump administration, um, I think they they did the best they could. Um, uh, the president made mistakes along the way. Um, I'd say the governor did too. Um, and again, um, the mask issue. Um, He wasn't a big fan of wearing masks. Others were. Um, Angel wasn't even watching. So if the mayor wasn't watching, how would he have known from the president to wear a mask? (laughs) I
4: watched watched enough. I watched enough that made me shut it off eventually. And remember, I I also remember him saying something about um, 15 days. I mean, 15 cases, um, 15 cases. And soon it'll be down to zero. So um, I've, I've watched enough to know that I should not watch any more of the president if I want to get accurate information. Arlene, you get the final word on this. Go ahead.
2: The president, and as a lifelong Republican, this, this pains me, but he's become the poster child of irresponsibility uh, with his uh, repeated refusal to wear masks, going to mass gatherings, etc. It, it's terrible, the leadership example he's been giving in this uh, pandemic. All right.
0: Angel, it's good that we have you on this week. We talked incessantly about the Evergreen bill when it was being passed. I think it goes back two sessions now. And now you're the lawyer involved fighting this. I have a feeling that Brandon's may get to be, a, be on your side on this one. But set the table for us for those uh, lively viewers, remember, but refresh our memories. And you were in court recently, not literally, uh, but you had arguments before Judge McGurl. So go ahead and set the table for us.
4: You got me nervous because if Brandon's on my side, something's wrong. <laughs> That is a
0: little bit of a problem. Hey, hey, hey!
4: <laughs> um, listen, the the Evergreen Bill for folks who are watching, um, it basically says that um, labor contracts don't expire. I mean, that's my interpretation of it. Basically, um, that when um, even after the expiration date, the wages and the benefits provisions continue on until you get a new contract, until you until you uh, reach a new agreement. Um, and I think that that. I think it's a bad law. Um, I also think it's unconstitutional. Um, I represent right now actually 20 cities and towns, more than half of the cities and towns, more than half the population in the state of Rhode Island challenging the law. Uh, We filed a lengthy complaint uh, explaining why we challenged the law. Um, And the attorney general filed a motion to dismiss. And that was heard um, by Judge McGurl about a week, week and a half ago. Um, She'll make a decision on that motion to dismiss, and then we'll go from there. I have always said that this case would be decided ultimately by the Supreme Court, uh, by the Rhode Island Supreme Court. Um, uh, Certainly, I hope uh, that um, the motion to dismiss is denied, and that we can go ahead and do some discovery and put on evidence and show exactly why this is a bad law and is unconstitutional and violates the contract provisions, um, the impairment of contract provision of the Rhode Island Constitution. Um, so that's what it is and and ultimately um, it's about the taxpayers and it's about um, making sure that the people who runs our, run our cities and towns have the ability to negotiate fair contracts for the taxpayers and for everyone and when you have a to me uh, a law that says a um, that the contract terms the major contract terms the wages and benefits, and that's like the biggest part of it. Um, continue on you know what you know what incentive? do unions have to negotiate when you know you have a floor that you don't uh you know that they can't go under right so um we're fighting it we're looking forward to the judge's decision and prepare to move forward whatever the decision is and um and hopefully we'll be successful for the state of Rhode Island and uh you know I I actually hope that the General Assembly will actually change the law um, like they did with firefighters where they basically said parties can agree they can agree if they want to uh, maintain contract terms during um, after the expiration. But that's, that's optional and that's up to the party to negotiate versus what they, what they did with so many, with teachers and municipal employees and impose it on cities and towns. Brandon, go ahead.
3: Yeah, no, uh, he's 100% right. You're 100% right. I totally agree for the record, Your Honor. I, I sent Angel a text the day he filed a lawsuit and said, whatever you need, I'll be your paralegal. We're having manager. a kumbaya moment here. um listen i support um what the mayor is doing i support what um uh what all mayors and town administrators that have joined. Um, I wish it was 39. I I know it's not necessarily 39 uh, mayors and administrators, but um, yeah, this is, uh, Angel hit it on the head. It it hurts the taxpayers and um, ultimately, and I just, um, you know, I looked at it, we talked about it. I've been on the show many times. I know Angel's a rookie on the show. So, you know, we talked about this many times back in the day. And, you know, to the extent that this uh, really hurt. it was amazing to me we were really excited by the fact that judge um, Jean judge Raimondo uh, vetoed uh, it back in 2017 uh, before her uh, re-election uh, and then uh, in 2019 she was all for it. So um, it hurts taxpayers ultimately and I, I wish um, the most success in this, in this lawsuit.
0: Charlie, you opined on this many times in your column. Yes, and
2: uh, ditto to Angel and Brandon's uh, remarks. I don't like the thumb on the scale for anyone. This puts two thumbs on the scale uh, for the unions, and I just don't like uh, people having that edge. Contracts should be negotiated,
0: uh, not manipulated. All right, let's, uh, we've got uh, some national to get to, but let's do, uh, let's do outrages a little bit early. I've shorted you on outrages the last couple of weeks. So, Brandon, do you have an outrage or a kudo this week? Both. Uh, <laughs> Keep on want... brief. <laughs> okay, you got it. Uh, the kudo is that um, the governor
3: may become the Secretary of the Health and Human Services, um, you know, the Chief of uh, Health in this country. Uh, the outrage is that she would become the Secretary of Health and Human Services, um, after what she did, uh, with UHIP, uh, after the way she handled, uh, DCYF, the, e, um, Department of Health and Human Services here, the EOHOC, Buda, all the other agencies, um, I have no idea how, uh, President-Elect Biden would select her over, uh, President Obama's former attorney general, uh, former, um, Surgeon General, if that's the, who's in the competition right now. However, if the, uh, if... The HHS, the uh, secretary of HHS um, in our country has a fundraising um, prong. Um, she'd be really good at that because that's what she's good at.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, so let's make it clear. We're taping on a Thursday morning. This has been swirly around all week. So by the time you watch this, something may have happened. But then, you know, sometimes rumors are floated and, and the person you never hear about it again. So we'll see. And we'll keep you posted. Angel, what do you have this week? An outrage or a cuda?
4: I I have both, but a little bit different than uh, Brandon's, which I disagree with his, uh, with his outrage. But my kudos is to all of the men and women around the state who helped make this election a success. Um, So many people whose names we'll never know, um, who worked as poll workers, who worked as supervisors, um, who uh, made sure that people had an opportunity to vote, that those votes were counted and I want to send that kudos out to people all around the uh, country, because that's really what happened all around the country. And my outrage is the fact that uh, we have a president who can't accept losing, um, losing by a lot, by the way, and um, has really questioned um, this outcome without evidence. Because I know the people on this panel, um, uh, both of whom are a lawyer with the general and, and, and Brandon, um, you know, if there's evidence, uh, we would all want to see it. Um, and to do that um, has just been an outrage. And he's gone, you know, he's been an equal opportunity uh, person in this sense because he's gone after Republicans and Democrats on this um, in terms of the, in terms of the uh, lack of evidence, in terms of the outrage, uh, his outrage with the vote. Um, and I just think it does a disservice to all the people who made it possible. Um, and uh, it's really an outrage that he's questioning our electoral system without evidence, simply because he can't accept that the American people rejected him pretty decisively. General, what do you have?
2: Uh, Well, I hope I'll be able to do a counterpoint to Brandon's uh, assessment of the Raimondo candidacy.
0: We'll get to that in a second. Go ahead and... uh...
2: You asked for outrage. And obviously, I, I feel like I'm beating the drum here. You know, I saw people in Dakotas where uh, it's burgeoning, the coronavirus, they're up there without masks, saying, since when does the government tell me how to dress, etc. It just made me actually nostalgic. Whatever happened to the 9-11 spirit we had after that attack? in 2001 against all of us here. Uh, I I happened to be in New York shortly after that. People were bringing cookies to first responders. But now we have this attitude toward first responders, nurses, doctors, uh, aides, Janitors, these people in hospitals that haven't gotten a break in eight or nine months. And we're so cavalier about exposing them and exposing our our brother and sister citizens. It it just is very discouraging to me that we have now metamorphosized into this me, me, me generation, you know, a, a song, a song about oneself that turns into a swan song for other people.
0: All right. Well, let's shift to National And Lillian, At some point we'll have you respond on on the Governor Armando, but Brandon, let me start with you. It, it has been a I know everybody says, "Oh, back in 2000, you know, it wasn't decided till early December." This this was decided weeks ago. And now the president on Wednesday put out this 45-minute video, ranting and raving about how the election is rigged and everything. At some point, when do you just throw in the towel and say, for the sake of democracy, he's always said America first. Is this really America first? The way he's acting.
3: If you asked me three three weeks ago, I would have said, you know, let's see where the evidence goes. Um, you know, we're all attorneys on this panel, and I, you know, we we deal with evidence, and so at this point in time. Um, you know, my focus is on Georgia. Um, if, if if things weren't so bad health-wise out there, I'd probably not be knocking on doors down there because we need to take, um, the Republicans need to take one of the two Senate seats down there because that really is the balance of power. Uh, presidents come and go and um, I haven't seen, I'll agree with uh, Attorney General Barr, uh, I haven't seen any evidence of widespread fraud. I think there's certainly been some irregularities, but I that's probably in most elections. This was a strange election. Um, I I agree with uh, the mayor, I think uh, that uh, all in all, um, the Board of Elections and the Director of Elections, uh, Rob Rock, who's one of my favorite people, uh, did a did a great job um, with, with this election. Um, I think that they botched one big thing, which was the way they uh, loaded the votes. <laughs> and so people went to sleep and not knowing, you know, you load the votes at the same time, in my opinion. Uh, but that's something that they could look back on and hopefully never have to have a pandemic election again. I think we just need to have all the same protections uh, and the safeguards um, for, you know, in the future, uh, for example, um, having mail ballots notarized or witnessed by two witnesses, um, voter ID, all the things that are in place right now uh, that have been put in place by our state legislature, signed off by governors in, um, in the past.
0: All right, we have you on record as agreeing twice with Angel. That may be a record. Uh, Arlene, go back to what you wanted to say. You wanted to respond to Brandon on the governor.
2: Yeah, well, uh, if Gina Raimondo uh, gets that slot, good for her. You know, she certainly, in my view, is a better candidate than the present uh, uh, health secretary, uh, Mr. Azar. He was a pharmaceutical lobbyist uh, as an attorney. Uh, and when you really look at uh, what has happened in that department that he headed, there has been these series of deregulations that have really resulted in privatization of hospitals, privatization of nursing homes, and the cutting of corners and accountability that, in my view, really precipitated a lot of the problems and deaths in congregate settings. So I think uh, uh, the governor, LaMundo, certainly has uh, uh, the ethics to be in that particular position in terms of her philosophies of what should govern a, a human services program like that. And I think it'll be good for uh, Rhode Island to get someone uh, on a cabinet since the days of J. William Miller and
0: the Carter administration. Mayor, you have the last 45 seconds to a minute.
4: Uh, Well, I just want to emphasize what the general said. I mean, I think, look, um, the governor, um, the way I look at it, has uh, faced an unprecedented situation, got testing ramped up extremely quickly, uh, kept Rhode Islanders um, as safe as we could for a long time. Right now we're going through a a second wave. Everyone is, the country is, I mean, um, and so I see that as well. Um, But she's run a state. um, She's uh, addressed these issues. At, uh, at a very specific level. Um, she's addressed the testing issue. Um, so I think she's very well pre- uh, prepared to be the Secretary of Health and Human Services. And I think that if she's um, fortunate enough to be nominated and confirmed, um, I think she'll do an outstanding job as the uh, as the Secretary. So I wish her well in whatever she decides to do. Uh, uh, but plus
2: Yeah, Dan McKee's packing your bags as we talk.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Dan McKee's going to have to get up to speed
0: uh, because he's not been in those meetings. Folks, I got to hold you there. Arlene and Brandon and Angel, it's the fastest 30 minutes in television. We appreciate this all-star panel joining us. And folks, thank you for joining us. Uh, Who knows where Governor Mundo will be a week from now. We'll have it covered for you along with everything else. Hope you have a good week and join us back here next week as the Lively Experiment continues. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. For more than 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm
4: John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program in Rhode Island PBS.